Hello, everyone. Welcome to Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine, the galaxy's uh, greatest podcast where we usually talk about the two great 90s space station shows. However, in this bonus episode, we are talking about episode three of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. Yep. Pretty good episode, Bob. I have to say I'm starting to starting to get to me a little bit. Oh, you're, you're, you're softening on a cartoon, Matt? You're starting to like a cartoon? Maybe this cartoon is not as bad as it uh, as I thought it was. Maybe it's... You, uh, you, you feel like uh, your, your heart's growing? It's uh, it's enlarging? It's growing just a little bit. Just just a little bit. Yeah, well, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. I did. You, do you think you like this episode more because it's a little, like, less dependent on, like, prior Trek knowledge than the first two episodes of the season? Eh, probably, but I mean, you still have to know about Voyager to get a lot of the in jokes. So, yeah, but like of of like the main three, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess two of the main three plot lines do sort of rely on in jokes to an extent. I guess to run them down really quickly, in the a plot, we've got Mariner and Tendi going on a girls' trip to retrieve an ancient Cation heirloom for Doctor Tiana. In the B-plot, we've got Boimler wrestling with the fact that the Cerritos computer no longer recognizes him as he uh, goes on a quest to get Tom Paris's of Voyager to sign his commemorative plate. And then in the C-plot, we have Rutherford struggling with the impoliteness of asking uh, Security Chief Shax how he was resurrected after his death in the last season's finale. Yeah, there was a lot going on in this episode. That may be why I like this one more, because I really had to pay attention to it, because we had three different plots going on that were all kind of in- interesting. Yeah, because the normal formula is you just, which this episode sort of mocks, is that you just have Boimler and Mariner do something, and then you have uh, Rutherford and uh, Tindy do something. And so this episode kind of mixes that formula up a lot, and it expands it somewhat. Way to keep my attention, guys. Way to keep my attention. So who was your favorite character this episode, Matt? It'd have to be a Divana Tindy. Did you know that was her name before this episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we learned that she's a bit of a freak, and uh, you know, it finally dawned on me that she's actually Orion, which is kind of a sad thing on my part. Did you, like, just take her to be some generic green-skinned alien before this? Yes, because, you know, there's the bird alien and the cat alien, so I just figured she was just a green alien. Your, your prejudice against Star Trek aliens uh, always irritates me, but le- leaving that aside, there was at least one pretty good joke in season one where she was uh, saying, like, I'm not that kind of Orion. Um, yeah, I missed and, that. But... I mean, and sort of the joke in this uh, episode is, well, actually, she is that kind of Orion. She's just moved past it and doesn't like to talk about it, which is uh, which is actually a pretty charming angle. I, I appreciated it. So uh, who, who was your favorite character, Bob? Uh, I always love Dr. Tiana. She's great. Um, but, it, you know, uh, Tindy did did well this episode, too. I also kind of enjoyed uh, uh, some of the development we got for Mariner. I mean, we got more for Tindy, but we got a little bit for Mariner. We find out she served on DS9, and uh, she comes out as bisexual. Or at least she comes out as the as wanting to be bisexual. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how much we should go into that. But, yeah. No, Mar- Mariner coming out and... Uh, revealing that she served on ds9 was pretty fun well let's, let's go back for a second your favorite character is the uh, the cat doctor correct yeah i love the cat doctor yeah what, what was the cat doctor's plot this time around what 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 did she what was going on with her uh she had needs matt and those needs could only be uh fulfilled by an ancient family heirloom yep and it was a uh what was in the box uh it was uh some sort of 
fucking post stroke scratching post? It was like it was like a scratching post. So the the, the main characters go and retrieve a scratching post from this uh, from this planet and they break it on the way. There's you know, there's, a, there's a whole lot of plot there, but then when there's they, a twist. Yeah, there's a twist when they finally return to the Cerritos. What, what what did the cat doctor actually want, Bob? She wanted the box, Matt. She wanted the box. And why does she want the box, Bob? Cats love boxes, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 making sure that's your, that's your favorite character, okay? That is my favorite character. That's that's Matt, you you've been to a zoo, yes? I've been to a zoo, Bob. You you've you've seen the large cats at the zoo? Yes, I have. You, you know that the funniest thing about seeing the live cats is being reminded that actually they are just really big cats. I mean, granted, they would still kill you if you were in the enclosure with them. But, you know, a lion or a cheetah or a jaguar, really just a giant cat. Bob, have you ever been to the doctor? Uh, not for a long time. I live, in, uh, I live in Biden's America, Matt. I don't have health insurance. Well, if you go to the doctor, there aren't any cats there. I'm just going to let you know. Yeah, that's because there are no there are no sentient cats on Earth, Matt, capable of uh, earning a medical degree. But on the on the planet Kate, there's a whole race of sentient and sapient cats, who some of whom have earned medical degrees and have achieved a high level of distinction in the fields of uh, alien medicine. When you do save up enough money to go to the doctor, and you get there, you're not going to see any cats. I don't want to disappoint you. I mean, I would like to be treated by a cat who was a doctor. That would be nice. You may have solved America's health problem right there. Yeah, yeah. I bet the cat would not uh, ask me for an insurance card that I don't have. I'm just saying turn all the stray cats into doctors. That's what I'm trying to say. Man, Americans always love a jobs program. All right. What's, uh, what was your favorite uh, Joker gag for the episode, Matt? Oh, my gosh. The stupid Voyager plates. God. <laughs> I, uh, I actually owned some of those stupid things back in the 90s. Uh, one of my, I'm gonna sound really southern here. One of my aunts, <laughs> my aunt, my auntie, she, uh, she knew I liked Star Trek, so like she just went and like bought me something random, like for Christmas. Wait, wait. So, so uh, an aunt bought you a Star Trek plate? Yes, now? yes, that's right, Bob. An aunt bought me a Star Trek plate. Did did it have some in the hive? Where did it find them? <laughs> I already gave you the disclaimer that it's gonna sound awful because it's it's aunt 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 aunt. I don't know. Whatever. How are you supposed to say it? I, well, I, I hope you gave that ant uh, some uh, sugar in return. You know that ants really like sugar. Uh, gross. All right, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't think of anything else that ants eat. Yeah, give, give your ant some sugar. Back to these plates. I had a bunch of these plates. We displayed them. I don't know what what they were for. I don't know if you're... Did people go to conventions to get these things signed? They're ugly I as sin. I think they must have, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I sold them on eBay like early, probably 2000, 2001. I don't know how much you I made make, off you make of that. I don't you care. make that good money. Yeah, hopefully, the, hopefully my aunt plate. is not listening to this. What? Do you remember what characters or ships you had on your commemorative ant plates? I had a next generation one and a and an original series one, but it was like one had. I know one had like the cast of the original series on it, and one had uh, like I think the uh, Enterprise D. It had the D on it, but other than that, it was. Just, I, you you always struck me as a man who wouldn't like a D on your plates, Matt. Yeah, there you are. Did you ever eat off the plates before you sold them? No, I didn't eat off the plates. I don't. Why why plates? Why was that a thing? Like, is it still a thing? 
I mean, there's a lot of commemorative plates. I, I couldn't say why, but there certainly are a lot of commemorative plates. Or at least there were in the 90s. I don't know if there still are, but there were. In the was 90s. the intention to eat off of them like fine china? Like, were you supposed to, like, break these out at, like, a, a dinner or something? And When we were kids, there were also, like, plates that had images on them, but I wouldn't call them commemorative. You know? Yeah, we had those plastic ones, yeah, but I'm just talking, yeah. like, but these were, like, yeah. nicer, these were nicer yeah, quality like, plates. I mean, they weren't that nice, but they, they fancied themselves being nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think the idea is that you're supposed to, like, display them, not eat off them. But, you know, <laughs> just you're a you're a heretic, so I thought I, w- I thought I would prod you about that. I mean, I feel like if I had a whole set, though, and I had, like, a, a group of, like, people coming over for Star Trek, maybe I'd break them out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but Matt, like... think, think of what it would do to the resale value on eBay. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. All right, move, moving on from that. What was your favorite uh, in Gagger joke? Oh, man. So there were some really layered jokes about blackface in this episode that I think I thought was really funny and frankly kind of brave in the current discourse. So we have Mariner doing green face at Tindy's behest, which is already pretty funny. And then we have um, Boimler covered in uh, soot and debris. Uh, getting beat up by Tom Paris for looking like a Kazon, which really ties the whole theme together. And one of the bits of context for this, if listeners don't remember the Kazon, is that they were an enemy species in early Star Trek Voyager. And they were really, really unfortunately modeled on uh, the Voyager writers' kind of dim ideas about what black and Latino Los Angeles gang culture was like in the early 90s, which, you know, definitely not something that should have been the inspiration for an enemy aliens uh species but nonetheless because of the kazan sort of racist origins like using what was essentially a blackface gag about the kazans i thought was actually pretty sharp and i kind of appreciated the show going there and layering it with the joke about mariner and Greenface. yeah i'm surprised we haven't seen any like hashtag cancel lower decks type things I mean, people may listen to this episode and get the idea, which would be uh, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. So we've had sex toy jokes in all three episodes, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting uh, interesting theme of season two of Lower Decks. And then uh, you, you really enjoyed the joke about Shax's resurrection, right? Yeah, like, he's, he's, Shax is back. And there were, like, several different explanations and all the different, like, people were just giving different explanations at different points. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of go through them real quick. They were all really, like, hilarious one-liners. One was, a transporter buffer thing, a restored Katra, a mirror universe switcheroo, the Borg rebuilt him, future son from an alternate timeline, maybe he got Genesis deviced, Nexus time ribbon, same thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of options for resurrection in the uh, Star Trek universe. If you go through those, like they're in reference to every single, like, every one of those has happened at some point in like Star Trek history, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, some of it's even, even like kind of novel canon. Like the Borg rebuilt him is um, how they bring back, if I remember right, how they bring back uh, Captain Kirk and those like really crappy Captain Kirk novels yeah. that were coming out. Yeah. In the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I was about to ask when somebody had actually been switched in the Mirror Universe, and then I was like, oh, yeah, Discovery, duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's kind of funny, because at first when they were doing this gag, like, I thought it was a funny gag, 
But I was like, well, it feels like they're more parodying uh, superhero deaths than anything else and the frequent, you know, revolving door of death in superhero comics. But um, when you when you lay out this whole list, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's Star Trek, too. It's not just superhero comics. Star Trek loves to resurrect characters. Have you read any of the this is a slight digression, but have you read any of the Jonathan Hickman uh, era X-Men comics? Like the ones that have been coming out in the last two years. Oh yes, 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 yes. With the island and stuff. Yeah, yeah. With Kar- with Caracoa. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've been reading a bunch of that. Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just bring it up because like they like Hickman and the other writers have like actually built in like a resurrection mechanic for the X Men, which is kind of cool because the X Men, you know, even among superheroes, are sort of notorious for their cycles of death and resurrection. And so Hickman is just going ahead and like made it a part of the story explicitly both like takes away some of the sting of death, but it also kind of takes away some of the cheapening of resurrection. And it kind of becomes a really interesting plot where like characters can go do suicide missions knowing that they'll probably be resurrected, but it still makes for some pretty great storytelling. It seems like it's like less risky though, to take those missions. If you know, they're just going to come back. Like it seems like this, well, the way they sort of get around that is like they had one crossover where they're going to like another dimension for a tournament and they figure out that like if you die in that dimension, you uh, you either don't come back or you come back wrong. Oh. And so that that was like one complication. And then there was another like really good one where one of the main guys from Generation X and then uh, Laura uh, as Wolverine and then another one I, who I forget the third one like go into this uh, place called the vault where time is like dilated. And so they, they like live for like thousands of years in the vault, like fighting. And because of how the resurrection scheme works, only one of them actually remembers the thousands of years. And like, you know, he remembers falling in love. Uh, Sink is his name from Generation X, but like Sink remembers like falling in love with Laura. And, you know, like he literally spent thousands of years fighting with her, fighting with her against the forces of the vault. And then, uh, you know, he wakes up and Laura wakes up in the resurrection uh, area and then Laura doesn't remember any of it. And so it's like a really kind of poignant moment. Damn. That's that's rough. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, uh, What was your uh, favorite line from uh, this episode of Lower Decks, Matt? It had to be when, uh, I don't remember who said it, but is he still a salamander referring to Tom Paris? <laughs> I think that was Mariner, but it might it might, might have been Tendy or Rutherford. And then... Uh, where they were talking about Tindy's first name, and she goes, you know, I thought it was Tindy with no last name, like Odo. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, Mar- Mariner was a font of good lines this episode. I really enjoyed uh, once Tindy assumes that uh, Mariner and Boimler are sort of dating, Mariner yells about Boimler. He's more like a pet. How about uh, old Star Trek references? You got a favorite? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything specific, but I appreciated that like, they referenced like, the few things I like do know about Voyager. Like I knew about the Kazons, I knew about uh, you know most of the stuff dealing with Tom Paris. You remember Tom Paris becoming a salamander? Yeah, that episode, which is pretty you know famous and meme worthy at this point in Trek culture. I, I just stuff you know that, that they reference that you, you don't have to be like, like I haven't watched m- too much Voyager, but I know what they're talking about or what they're referring to. Yeah. There was something kind of pointed, uh, although I can't really ex- fully express it, about they resurrect shacks in the same episode where they do a series of nostalgia riffs about Voyager. It, I don't know. There was just it felt like there was some 
interesting meta commentary going on there, but I couldn't exactly discern what it was. Like you think they're gonna like resurrect Voyager and bring it back or something? Or no, just it seemed to be like there seemed to be some commentary on like how Lower Decks, one of its main functions as a show is nostalgia, and so like they're doing. Even though in some ways this is like a less nostalgia focused episode than the prior two, in other ways it's still fairly nostalgia focused, and so there just seemed to be something kind of. Uh, Kind of interesting about pairing that with the with the mysterious and horrifying resurrection of Shax. One thing, even though this is just a cartoon, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the timeline, like where it actually fits. So, if Mariner served on DS9 with Worf, you figure that out, then she was around before What You Leave Behind, the, the final episode of DS9. But after The Way of the Warrior, which is, you know, when Worf first showed up. Mm-hmm. And she was on four other ships before the Cerritos. How old is she supposed to actually be? Um, she's probably what you figure late twenties, early thirties. Whereas probably her friends are like early to mid twenties. Okay. Which actually kind of gives a interesting dimension to her because it obviously like age after uh 18 is not such a big deal but still it's it is kind of weird to be like the the late 20s early 30s person who all their friends are in their mid 20s yeah it's it's kind of unique i didn't i always just kind of assumed they were in the same age there i don't know well i mean she would just she would just have to be right because like the implication is that boimler tindy and rutherford are aren't that far out of Starfleet Academy, I think is the pretty clear implication about all three characters, right? Right. Yeah, whereas Mariner's been around for a while, although it doesn't have to be quite as long as you were thinking, because the DS9 finale is 2375, and the Lower Deck Season 2 is uh, 2381, so... Six years? Yeah, only six years. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It is kind of interesting. I didn't realize that they... I thought there was more of a gap until you, the, your question here prompted me to look up the dates, but they literally set Lower Decks Season 1 just the year after Nemesis. Gotcha. So it's it's all, it's all like, still pretty fresh. And it... I don't know. That, that also is kind of interesting because that means Voyager's only been back at this point for, like, three years because the Voyager finale is 2378. In a way, that almost, like... It, it almost doesn't fit with how the characters talk about Voyager and Tom Paris because it makes it feel like, you know, it, you just feel like they would it, there would need to be more time for them to be as legendary as they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so the Voy finale is 2378. I fucking hate you. Oh, die. Is just that what, die. Is that what you said? I fucking hate you. With, 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 with stop the show. Stop the show. I fucking hate you. God damn it. So what, what's the problem? I'm just talking about the Voy finale. I didn't realize it was 2378. I, I, I will fucking murder you. Jesus What's Christ. the problem? Tom Paris is from Voy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Isn't it just the same as calling Discovery Disco? Isn't it the same no, thing? No, because that's a fucking word. <laughs> disco is a fucking word. It's like calling the Enterprise Int. Like, oh man, we're, we're going aboard the Int. Oh man, have you seen how fast the Excel goes? Yeah. Man, the Excel sure has long nacelles. I've never seen nacelles like I've seen on the Excel. Yeah. You know, here on the USS Galaxy, Matt, we like to call her the Gal. The Gal. I think it's not a bad idea. I think it's pretty good. 
I kind of like it. I I hate you, and I hate the writers <laughs> for even bringing it up. I now hate this show. It's now the worst Star Trek. Ugh. <laughs> this is worse than Enterprise. Give, give me give me just wall to wall Scott Bakula blasting Faith at the Heart. I would rather I would rather see that than hear that unholy phrase that you keep saying. Why do you have such a, a low opinion of Int? It's fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> also, like in in disco, they have the cool shirts that say disco. Like it's a cool shirt. I I it's just very fucking different. And it's also like. It's like Discovery is three syllables. It makes sense to shorten it. Like Voyager is just two syllables. That doesn't make sense to shorten. Voyager, yeah, yeah, Voy, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you there. I think it's although I think didn't Mariner point that out though in the episode? Like she's like, it doesn't really. He's like that way I can save time not having to say the whole word. But then Mariner's like, you don't really save any time because I guess you have to explain what Voy is. Ugh. Well, and it's they're trying to follow up on that gag that from season one, where Ransom refers to like the the original Enterprise as like TOS, and I think he says it says it stands for those old scientists, which like was a little cheesy, but I also thought was kind of funny, and I didn't mind because you know that's how in in fan abbreviations you do the original series for Star Trek, uh, and I, I didn't mind it, but. I don't mind, like, when you write, you know, I do it myself in the notes, like, calling Voyager V-O-Y in the notes, but in the same way, you know, you call it B5 or DS9, that's fine, but to say it aloud is just noxious and hateful. So, anything else we talk about in this episode? I mean, we just need to announce the end of the show, Matt, because you keep saying that goddamn cursed phrase. Well... Uh, well, I mean, we, but we've got more adventures of the Sir on the way, so. Uh, uh, <laughs> Toast, I'll say the whole, no, the whole No, we won't. I, I'm getting lost in the Delta Quadrant <laughs> to get away from this hateful, hateful word. Right. <laughs> but we will see you then. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>